Okay. Um, I want to read a, a verse to you from the book of Revelation today. Uh, the Revelation of John. In fact, we were going to just read this one, um, just one verse, but I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to back up just so I give it the context. Um, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, okay? Uh, this is the Apostle John, and he, in this book, says that he was, well, I'll, I'll just read it. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. I want to stop for just a moment. Several places in the book of Revelation, it talks about loud voices, loud singing, loud noises, all kinds of, of there's a clamor in heaven. It is not a place, if you just want peace and quiet, I don't think heaven's going to be the place. You know, there's a lot of noise going on, and God's not afraid of it. It doesn't make him nervous that people in heaven are worshiping loudly. The angels are worshiping loudly. And here, this voice he hears, it says, I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, um, to Ephesus, uh, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden uh, sash, or girdle in this translation, uh, but uh, with a golden sash, and his head and his hair were white um, uh, like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, or some translations say like fine brass when it's caused to glow in a furnace, when it has uh, been caused to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Have you ever heard a waterfall or a rushing river, that sort of, it's that kind of voluminous thing. That's, he says that his voice was like the sound of many waters, and in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. But this, do not be afraid. He falls like a dead man, and he says, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. There's the simple reality that Jesus is still alive, okay? Two weeks ago was Easter weekend. Um, you know, I, I'm not over it. What took place at Easter 2,000 years ago was not like an event, just a moment. It, it was a moment, but it has continued on now for 2,000 years, the impact of what took place. The simple reality is that Jesus is still alive. So when we're seeking Him, worshiping Him, praying to Him, believing in Him, we're believing in one who's alive. He's, 
he's still here. He's still, he's still around. He was dead, he says, very briefly, but is alive again forevermore. He says, I was dead, but I'm alive. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. What's more, he is alive without the limitations that he accepted as a, as a man on earth. He accepted those limitations to come to earth, to live among us in uh, the likeness of sinful flesh, a body like ours, so that he could save us, so that we could be set free. And he did that, but he's now alive, still alive, but without the limitations that he voluntarily took on as a man. Now he's alive in what you see here, the heart-stopping, mortifying glory of God. So that his dear friend, the disciple who is identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved, he loved them all, of course, but in John's writing, he's writing, he, he's writing kind of saying, I know I had a special place in Jesus' heart. He, there was something expressed to me, and he calls himself, that's quite a thing, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. This guy knew Jesus. He was intimate with him. On, at the Last Supper, he was leaning against Jesus' chest. He, he was comfortable being that close. I mean, that's quite a thing that he was, you know, that close to the, the guy that others were happy to just get a glimpse of or get close to for just a miracle. This guy was not content with that. He wanted to be near to Jesus, near enough that he could lean against his chest and look up into his eyes from that close. That's, that's kind of discomforting. I mean, to be that close to anybody. And John was that close with Jesus. But when he saw him in his glory without his earthly limitations, it's like his heart stopped. He was so incredibly above and beyond that he says, I fell down like a dead man when he saw him in his resurrection glory, in his resurrection life, his, his resurrection power and eternal lordship. You know, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. He sees him and this dear disciple falls like a dead man. He's not only still alive, but he's gloriously alive. He's more alive than he was in his earthly life in that he'll never taste death again. He, he subjected himself to come here in sinful flesh and taste death for us. But now he's more alive. He's never going to have to taste death again. I thought of it like, you know, in the last couple of years with all, you know, infection being something people are concerned about, and you hear things about immunity and natural immunity. This is like supernatural immunity to death. It's like he can't even be impacted by it. It, it just can't touch him. He's more alive, that he, and he, can, he won't even ever have to taste death again. Death has no part in him. He's life to the full. I'm the living one, he says. I was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now, he's alive and continuing to give life like we just heard from Geraldine. Her whole life as a believer, and yet there's still more God wants to give her. He's not done. He, he wants to give life and transform lives and bestow abundant life. And like he just did in Geraldine's life, it, 
it's apparent that God doesn't intend to just give us a new life in Christ and then say, coast to the finish line. Like, you just, well, you got your blessing. Now just carry on and, you know, it's not going to get any better than this. You know, like those were the good old days. No way. Not with God. Not with God. He's, there is no intention in God that we just settle and coast to the finish line. Paul said, I haven't attained. He talks at one point, I haven't attained that for which I was taken by Christ. He says, I haven't attained that. But he's, he says, I'm reaching forward. I'm stretching forward is the word. It's a, a picture of an athlete reaching for the finish line. And he says, for the prize that awaits me. And he's, he's not just coasting to the finish line. He's, he's sprinting to it. He's giving it everything he's got. Well, God intends for us to do that because he has more for us. The blessing of new life, but there's more. And there's still more. And there's always more with God. Amen? Amen. Um, my, my 50th birthday, I uh, heard about a conference in Toronto and I went... Um, uh, sort of as a birthday gift, Rose said, okay, you know, we'll pay for that. And you go to Toronto for this, whatever it was, a week-long thing. I think I got there on Sunday night. The conference went, went all week. I came back on uh, Friday night, I think. And uh, at this conference, which was kind of a renewal conference, it was all about uh, what they would call spiritual soaking, waiting in the presence of God and just uh, waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something. And Partway through, the, the mo- and there were some heavyweight speakers at this conference, but the most powerful things that happened to me, and I love this, was there was a, a lady in the church who, uh, I think she said that her and her husband used to be involved in some part of the sort of public ministry, but she was a mom. That's what her role was, was that she raised her kids. That's where she spent her time. The most powerful thing that happened to me was when we were in this one session, and she prayed, and just said, let's put our books down, our pens down, and I'm just going to pray. And and it was not a pretentious prayer. It wasn't like, you know, she, she had to crank it all up and, you know, really powerful words or anything. She just prayed very honestly, and God came. And the rest of the week that I was there, the thing started on Monday, and I think this was Tuesday morning. I had this experience that God kept saying this word to me all through the week, and for for a couple of weeks after I got back, maybe three weeks, this word where it doesn't even sound very spiritual. I would wait in his presence, and I would feel that God would say, there you are. Isn't that funny? There you are. And what I knew he was saying was like, I was waiting for you to turn your attention to me. There you are. And it's like, kind of like an acknowledgement of, I see you. I, I recognize you. And almost like, oh, I've been waiting for you to turn to me. I want, I've got your attention now. And I've been waiting to sort of express my love to you. And every time he would say it, I remember getting on the plane to fly home on Friday night. And I was sitting on this 
uh, seat beside uh, a couple uh, beside me, and uh, they were watching TV, and um, uh, I just sat there the whole time, and I would just stop and, oh yeah, remember God? And as soon as I would go there, it was like I'd hear God say, there you are. It was the most, uh, in terms of the love of God, it was like through the roof. And that doesn't even sound like it. He didn't even say, I love you, but that's, that's what it was. It was like a father with a kid, like, oh, I've been waiting for you. And this thing, it was absolutely glorious. And when that started to wane, I remember the one afternoon at home, because then I would hear it maybe every few days, and I would stop, and I was trying to keep that going, trying to perpetuate it. And at a certain point, I was kind of expressing to God that I was sorry that that seemed to be fading down. And I'm kind of lamenting it because it was so edifying that still, you know, that was when I turned 50. Um, uh, 13 years later, I still would like to feel what I was feeling then. But I felt like God, in beautiful God fashion, just said to me, do you think that's the last blessing I have for you? The last endowment of my goodness? Do you think that was the, the peak? No! As glorious as it was, and I've had a few other things, as glorious as they've all been, I'm expecting more, even in this life. I'm expecting more for sure when I cross the finish line. For all of us, there will be a, a mind-blowing um, uh, acceleration and, you know, uh, it'll be higher than we can even imagine. But even in this life, I'm expecting God to do more. As good as it was, do you think that's the last endowment of blessing that I've got for you? And it's like, settle down. And, you know, there are some of these experiences that we don't get them every day. I wish I did, but, you know, that just hasn't been the experience of my life. Uh, or perhaps many people's lives. So, Jesus is life. He's the source of life that God the Father provides. He's the, the source of life that God points us to and says, you come to me through him and this is where you're going to find life. No one brings this out more than the Apostle John who writes the book of Revelation. In, in his um, uh, gospel account... Uh, John, even before he presents this encounter with, the, with Christ resurrected, he writes in his gospel account 50 times, almost 50 times, he uses the word life in connection with Jesus. Uh, in his, he wrote three letters, and in the first one, which is a very short little letter, five chapters, 15 times again, he connects Jesus to life, or eternal life, or abundant life, these things. In the book of Revelation, 22 times. So this guy, this was sort of part of the central theme of what John, you know, wrote to present to us. That's how God inspired him. Life is part of the central thought in connection with Jesus. And I want to read, in fact, I want you to read a handful of references to life. I'm going to hand these out. How many people here like to read Scripture? Okay, great. You get to. Uh, I'm going to... 
hand these out. Oh, just a second. I'm going to hand these out in order. So, Charvine, you're next. Claudia, will, would you read one? Okay, excellent. And uh, since we won't, well, I could come around with the microphone. Anybody else? Geraldine, you want to read one? All right. There's a few of these. Well, actually, there are two. I'm saying one. Malik, would you like one? Okay, we'll get this all close and I don't have to go far. Um, my new friends and neighbors, Carol, would you like to read one? Ian, would you guys like to? Excellent. There they are. Okay. Uh, let's just, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Why don't you start? I want you to read uh, these uh, references, almost all except for, I think, the one that I just gave Carol. They're all from the Gospel of John and then one from First John. So we'll start with you, then, Sharvina, uh, and we'll just kind of work our way back. John 1, 4. In him was life, and life was the light of men. In John three fifteen to 16, whoever believes will have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. John four ten, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Amen. Also, John 5. Yeah, read them both. Yeah. John 5. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Amen. John six thirty three and verse um, thirty three and fifty one, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John seven thirty eight, he who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from this innermost being will flow. Rivers of living water. Yeah. Geraldine? Uh, John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of the life. John ten ten. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. John eleven twenty five to 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Amen. John seventeen two three, to all whom you have given your Son, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life that you may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Amen. John twenty thirty thirty one. 
Jesus also performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amen. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12, he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Amen. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, guys. These, and this is just a smattering of them. There are so yes. many more, and that's just in the book of John. But this connection of Jesus and life. He's the word of life, the bread of life. He's, he gives the water of life, eternal life. That life is in God's Son. Whoever has the Son has the life, so have him. So have him. Whoever has the Son has life, so have him. Pursue him, get him, keep him, cling to him. Really, that's where life is. Let me just say this. Forget everything else tonight. Get Jesus at all costs. Get him. Life is there. Life is in him. Let's get him. So I want to read tonight uh, a, a, a lengthier uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. He made this terrific observation in the Christian classic, Mere Christianity, which I have a couple copies of that book in the storage room here. I'll uh, bring those out maybe next week or something, and we can, uh, I'll hand out some books. Whenever I see good books um, in used bookstores or thrift stores or that kind of thing, I buy them so I can give them away. And Mere Christianity is an outstanding um, book. The, just the, the thought is so clear in C.S. Lewis, and he makes this uh, observation in one of the later chapters, um, a chapter, get this, the title of it is Good Infection. (laughs) If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, you must get close to or into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a person is united to God, how could they not live forever? Once a person is separated from God... What can they do but wither and die? In our natural state, we haven't got spiritual life, only biological life, which is presently going to run down and die. The whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, if we let God have his way, come to share in the life of Christ. If we do, we we shall be sharing a life which has always existed and always will exist. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men and women the kind of life he has. He came to give that to us. That's his way. And again, that's the chapter, Good Infection. It's that he wants to infect us with life. I I believe that he'll do it. 
I believe that he, that's his desire and that we can become um, infectious with the very life of Christ. That's, he wants us to be. He wants us to infect others with it. It's God's will and desire for you, <clears throat> for, for me, for us, to share real, full life. Not just biological life with him. And he sent his son to pay an unthinkable price to demonstrate that desire. To demonstrate his will for us to have life. His determined will. And I, I like that word because God was, he wasn't and isn't casual about, oh well, take it or leave it. No, he pursues he, he, he keeps pursuing. It's his determined will that we have this life. And God gives us the opportunity and the responsibility to respond and receive it. Amen? Again and again and again, John connects life in Christ with one other word that he uses. It's the only word, the only important theme that John uses even more than life. That's, you know, as I mentioned in his gospel, he uses the word life just under 50 times. The word that has to do with responding to the offer of life, he uses almost twice as many times. Almost every time he mentions life, he mentions this word. It's the only response that pleases God, the only response that God requires. What is it? Faith? People are saying it quietly in case I say, no, it's not that. I can't believe that's what you thought. Faith, belief. He, he uses that word over 90 times. John is, in fact, the, the verse actually that just got read, uh, and now I'm thinking maybe it was Ian that read it, there were more signs that he did, but these signs he did so that you may believe. And that believing, you may have life in his name. Like, that's what, that, that's what the point of John's gospel was. That glorious gospel that presents Jesus so extraordinarily and his love is so central. And, but this idea that life is important, life is central in his gospel, and believing in him is our response that pleases God and releases that life to us or that enables us to receive it. It's like it's being transmitted and faith is the frequency that says, I'll take that. And we get it, and it changes us. That's the response that God is looking for. He uses that word again and again and again, hammering it home. Believe. What is it? What, what is that believing? Not just a casual believing, but a believing that says, I'll stand. I've seen enough evidence in Christ that I Accept that as reality, as true. I'm going to believe in him. Uh, I'm going to believe and receive. We receive life in him by faith, just like forgiveness is ours through faith. Um, Next week will be the first uh, Saturday of the month, and we'll take communion. 
We always, we, we always mention we receive, you know, Jesus said this blood, you, 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 you get forgiveness through the blood that I shed. But it's by faith. It's not, communion is just like a, a touch point to remind us that it's faith in him. It's not the actual juice that makes it all happen. It's the faith in what he did in his sacrifice. Forgiveness is ours through faith. But don't stop at forgiveness. Thank God our, we got forgiveness. Thank God our, our sins are washed away. Our sins are forgiven. But don't stop there. God's got a life for us to live, amen? We don't just stop at forgiveness like, oh, that's the whole gospel. No, he forgave us so that we can live with him and know him. Let's get that barrier out of the way, as important as it is, as big as it is. But once it's out of the way, then what? Then life with him Knowing him, walking with him, just stopping at forgiveness is like having shackles taken off our wrists and our feet, but remaining in the prison cell. No. Get it off, and then let's go on. Let's go with him. Let's live free. Let's walk in new life, in full life. And we get that new life. We receive it daily, like what happened with Geraldine, like what happened with Tammy, here on the front row a couple of weeks prior to that, it's by faith. It's like I, they received some, uh, how would you say? They received the Holy Spirit, but it was like another step forward in a, in a fuller life in Christ. Another, another dimension, another step forward. And every time we get set free from something, every time we repent and we leave something behind, every time we reach for more of him, every time we pray and say, God, I've got to have you and I want to walk in newness of life. I don't want to be the old person that I was. I want to keep going forward. I need you. Every time we do that, it's like a step. A, a, a step forward into more of life with Christ. And he wants us to have it. And here's the beautiful thing. He, he says, believe, and you'll get this life. But he also gives us the grace to believe. <laughs> it's like, you know, God sort of stacks the deck in our favor by being the one who authors and develops our faith. He says, you need faith to get this life, and let me help you with that. You know, then he he does things so that, oh, yeah, he makes it easy for us to believe easier. It's, It's like saying, here's a beautiful house that you can have, uh, I would like for you to have this house. Well, hey, that house is nice. I'd like to have it. And it's like, but you can, you know, it's going to cost this much. Eh, gosh, who has that? Well, here, let me give it to you. Let me give you the money. That's what God does. It's like, I'll help you out with that. What? Yeah, it's like, it's going to take faith to get that life. Well, let me help you with that. Let me give that to you. He's the author and the developer of our faith. So then once he's triggering that in us, let's respond in faith and lay hold of the life that God has for us. It's in his son. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you think, okay, I got these things on the go, take a moment first and thank him for life. 
ask him for new life. Ask him for more of it. God, I want enlargement in my life. I want, a, a, what I mean by that, I want the life of God in me to be enlarged. Christ must increase, I must decrease. I want more of him in my life. The last many years, uh, Pastor Mel, uh, it's amazing, Pastor Mel has he passed away now almost five months ago. And uh, the last few years of his life, that was one of the themes that he said very often was he would use that term enlargement. He would say increase and enlargement. And not in a way that was like a, a selfish thing, like increase, like, you know, we're all going to be rich or some, you know, worldly thing like that. It was like enlargement in Christ, enlargement in the things of God, enlargement that when you come to God, you know him more, you know him better, you see more of him. I want that kind of enlargement, enlargement in vision, enlargement in fruitfulness, people coming to faith, people getting set free from bondages and troubles and things like that. How many want enlargement in the life of God? Amen. Go ahead and keep your hand up for a minute, God. You see the hands, and I pray that we would even in a posture of receiving, that you would give it tonight. We, we raise our hands in faith, saying we want more life in Christ. We need more life in Christ. And we ask that you would give it, God. You would pour it out. You would give us more of Jesus. If we have more of Jesus, we'll have more life, more of your life. And I pray that for the people here tonight in Jesus' name. Simply, God, that you would give us more of your Son and life in Him. Yes. Grant it, God. I pray where there's unbelief right now, where maybe there's a, a nagging thought that, oh, that's going to be for somebody else. You don't have those kind of supernatural experiences. I pray for those um, discouraging words to just be wiped out and for faith to arise in the hearts of your people, that we would know that you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's your desire, your determined will. Bless your people in it, in Jesus' great name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Oh, man. I want to read just as a, a benediction. We don't always do that, but I want to speak this blessing yes. over you tonight. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And by toil right here in your, the work of the Lord, Jesus said in John chapter 6, this is the work of God that you believe. Yes. 